On today's episode of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors, we're joined by Peter Burns from the SEC Network to preview the Vandy Boys in East Carolina going at it in the Supers this weekend in Nashville and taking a look across the SEC at some of the other matchups this weekend. We also give a scouting report on the Pirates and the unfortunate time slots for games one and two of this series. We've got all that and much more coming right up here on The Door Report. Powered by Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Let's ride. You're listening to The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who believe black and gold. Commodore Nation. Anchor down. Welcome back into the Door Report. It is episode 89. It is June the 8th, 2021 on a Tuesday night here in Nashville. We are as always powered by Alaco Finewood Floors. Will, Byram is here. He is, uh, he's obviously two in a row, two in a row episodes now. Where yeah. Another streak started. Uh, but it's time to wrap up the regional and national regional. What a wild one it was um, on Sunday night. and Well, I mean, Monday morning, yesterday morning. Um, it was just crazy to watch that. We will dive into that, and we will also preview the East Carolina Super. We got the Pirates coming into West End uh, to the Hawks. We'll dive into that, and also will all of our listeners need to stay tuned because Peter Burns is coming up later. The SEC Network host will talk SEC baseball and Vandy boys. It's a pretty jam-packed episode. We got a full Super preview, a little bit of a regional recap, and we got Peter Burns. How about that? Yeah, let's not uh, take for granted these these uh extremely packed episodes because very very soon we're going to be sitting here saying we miss those days so we miss let's baseball. get it on yeah let's watch as much sports as we possibly can with this baseball postseason do not take it for granted because very very soon in, in about a month we're going to be sitting here very bored looking at a lot of ncaa football practice and trying to get breaking news from that so right, uh, right. it was an exci- exciting exciting weekend but not good at all for my sleep schedule billy <laughs> No, it's not. And, and uh, Peter didn't get a lot of sleep either. I, I think uh, this we can sleep in July. That's what we say. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting next uh, next couple few weeks really here as the College World Series will roll in through June. Before we get to breaking news, though, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at door underscore report and Instagram door dot report. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our podcast is available on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify and Google Podcasts. And while you're at it, go give our podcast five stars and a review on iTunes. It's now time for breaking news. Today's breaking news is brought to you by the Recycling Dudes. You may ask, who are the Recycling Dudes? Well, they're brothers Graydon and Chapman and their dad. Drew Smith, who is a Metro Nashville firefighter living in Westmead. The Recycling Dudes recognize the need for a service that would take glass to the recycling for busy homeowners who care about our environment. They pick up your glass, separate it, and take it to be recycled. They offer monthly service as well as one-time party pickup, starting as low as $10 per month. All you have to do is sign up on their website at RecyclingDudes.com. All right, Will, Super Regionals, here we come. The Vandy Boys will host the East Carolina Pirates, but we got to talk a little bit about this regional, which was crazy. Uh, it all started for, the, for Vandy on Friday night. They whooped up on Presbyterian but then the Yellow Jackets came in to, to the Hawk and, and battled Vandy two games in a row, really. Uh, and they had to beat Indiana State on Sunday, and they ended up doing that. 
they shut him out, and then they played Vanderbilt Sunday night into the wee morning hours of of Monday. Uh, but will, I mean, this was this was a battle. Vandy, Vandy had to earn this, and I think Tim Corbin. You know, we always hear him talk about how this was great. This was a good experience. This was something this this team can take forward um, into into the rest of their season, and and that's exactly what they did. They learned from the Kentucky series, and they ended up getting a, a big time pair of wins against a really good Georgia Tech team. Like that, that's a that's a big time team in the ACC, one of the best offensively. So I guess Willie, when you look at it. it you could you could and you could talk about it pessimistically and say Vander, Vanderbilt you know struggled a, a little bit there especially later on Sunday night but hey they found a way and and that's all you got to do this time right I mean you just got you got to survive in advance any way you can yeah use the exact phrase that I was going to say Billy survive in advance at this point it. in the year you're, you're not going to breeze through anything but I, I think this is the perfect example of you can't just look at 3-0 and swept through the regional they breezed through because that certainly wasn't the case after no. they took care of business against Presbyterian, which is always nice to see, you know, the team that is supposed to do it come out and dominate an inferior opponent. That was a nice way to start off the weekend. Yeah. The mound. And then you could not have seen a more opposite performance against Georgia Tech in that first game against them. The funniest thing about that final score, four to three, Georgia Tech's pitchers actually had no earned runs. Vanderbilt really won that game on errors yeah. by that Georgia Tech defense. Georgia Tech really, without the errors, outplayed Vanderbilt throughout that game, and, and yeah. they played a heck of a game there. And uh, then you go into game three, which could not have been more opposite of game of game two, how it went. Uh, it was it was a battle of the bats. I mean, you saw it with the Isaiah Thomas Grand Slam at the end that we'll get more in. Mm. And you saw it you saw it from the beginning with Riley coming out on the mound and inning one and giving up three runs. So uh, it, it wasn't the pitching duel of the previous game, and it and it certainly was more exciting. But it uh, had had the drawbacks if you were on Central Time, and it certainly had some drawbacks <laughs> if you were out there on Eastern Time. Yeah, poor people there on Eastern Time that were still watching that. Uh, thank God we were here in Central Time in Nashville. It was still late. Uh, I was there at the park. Um, you know, it was just wild atmosphere. Uh, and for the people that stayed, credit to them. I think Tim Corbin at the press conference said, first off, thank uh, thank you to all the fans that actually were able to stay um, and ended up making that decision. But, Will, you talked about it. I mean, I think what happened in game three was obviously it was a hitting fest, but both teams just ran out of pitching. I mean, and, and Vanderbilt too. You know, obviously it was tough the way Luke Murphy had to go out. He's uh, struggling with cramps there. Um, and then they tried – they tried out Ethan Smith. He was obviously hurting and gave up gave up a home run. Wasn't his velo was not not, not Juliet up. boy. Yeah, his velo was not up there. Um, but then obviously Maldonado, consistent Maldonado, ended up uh, saving that one and really saving the Vandy boys' season because who knows what would have happened if they had to play a game um, a game seven in that regional. Uh, nobody wants to do that. But will again, I think you know you have it here on the script. What's the confidence level? I mean, I think as a Vandy fan, your confidence is high. Because you're heading into a super, you got Rocker and Lighter going game one and game two, and East Carolina has not seen a pair of pitchers like that all year. Many any other any other team in the country, except for a lot of the SEC teams that faced that those two, they, you're just not going to see them. So, well, I mean, I, I'm I'm confident. Uh, you know, I think obviously they have a good pairing here with ECU. ECU has a good tradition. We'll touch on that a little bit later in the preview. Um, but again, I think after the regional, the confidence should still be high. But again, the, the fear, I think, is if you get into a game three, what's going to happen? Because if Vanderbilt has proven that they are a beatable team in that game three, the bats are just going to have to find a way to hit. Yeah, where you see things separate in whether it's regional play or super regionals or getting to Omaha, obviously, 
is teams have bats across the country. The SEC's oh, yeah. bats are good. They're great even. But across the country, there are good bats and great bats in, in every conference at this mm-hmm. point in the season. And a lot of these teams even do have good starting, great starting pitchers. I mean, comparable guys to Rocker and Lighter even in that first starting pitching spot. Or they have a couple good guys, but nobody has the combo that Vanderbilt has in one and two. Um, And the SEC, what is so different is in SEC football, they always say the SEC differentiates itself in the trenches. The offensive and defensive line is just different in the SEC. And that's extremely, extremely similar to how it is with pitching and baseball. The, the SEC and all these teams, especially Vanderbilt, Arkansas, Tennessee, they consistently run guys out of the bullpen that have like 14 pitched on the entire year and they're, and they're <laughs> pumping it at 92, 93, 94. And these other teams just don't have that. They, they, no. they aren't bringing in those guys just like they're not bringing in more 320-pound offensive linemen and six foot seven left tackles and right tackles. Um, and that has been something that was nice to watch in this region, even though they didn't play well in game two, was watching these bats go up, go up against non-dominant competition. But it does leave question marks, even if you are half glass empty, half glass full, whatever you want to say. Uh, the bats can't put three games together. So it, it no. seems like that if they have one game where they're going to be really good offensively, next game they're likely going to be bad and and vice versa they're not going to have a bad offensive game after having a, a bad one the previous game so that's something to keep an eye on this team has its bright spots and is probably in my opinion them or arkansas the most talented just player for player teams in the country but when you break down their consistency compared to the other teams i think that the offense is still having those performances that are that are kind of head scratchers and then Riley obviously does not have that third starting role locked up. If he can get to the second, third inning without getting roughed up, he's going to be ha- have a damn good. Um, but if he you know, gets roughed up second like he does a lot of the time, uh, then you're in for a wild ride that ends up with uh, Cor- Corbin giving the signal to the bullpen in the fourth, yeah. fifth, sixth inning a little yeah, earlier you know- than he wants to. Yeah, no, I was just going to say that you'd never want, you know, an early call to the bullpen like they had to do, um, especially with Riley. He did find a way to settle in after he struggled in that first inning, which he's shown uh, troubles with control. Um, but, Will, I, I, you know, you talked about he hasn't locked in that role. I, I, I think Corbs, if he starts him in that game in that regional against Tech, I think we see him game three against against ECU in the Super, too. Uh, I just, I think, I think Corbs is, you know, who knows, who knows? And I know Vandy fans are mincing, you know, just kind of um, paper bag ready, ready for their mouth there. If we get to a game three and a super, but that's, that's just the way Corbin coaches. And I think, you know, I think you will, you will see uh, Riley in a game three and, and who knows uh, if they will, he will even get there. But well, before we get to the preview of East Carolina, I want to touch on how you talked about it. this team's just streaky. You know, they, they can look like the best team in the country sometimes, but against Georgia Tech, they definitely, you know, the pitching gave up some bombs. The hitting obviously was was unclutch at, at times. So I think with this team, Will, it's all kind of catching lightning in a bottle. Can they can they catch it at that right moment and capitalize? Because that's what, what this what this postseason is all about. You see it in March Madness. You see it in, obviously in the college football playoffs. So um, it's going to be fun, and, and, and who knows, Anything can happen in this time of year. So Vanderbilt, Rocker, Lighter, that's all they really have to do is, is be on. And, yes, they have to hit the ball. But, you know, if their pitching is, 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 has been enough a lot of times. So, um, obviously, Vanderbilt wins the Nashville Regional, uh, be, defeating Georgia Tech 14-11. to 11. I don't even think we mentioned the score yet. But <laughs> it was just an absolute slugfest uh, uh, in that one. 
But well, let's roll on here. We got the Pirates coming into Nashville. They are 44 and 15 overall. And can I say real quick, Will, what the hell is that time slot? 11 a.m. on Friday, 11 a.m. on Saturday for Kumo Rocker and Jack Leiter and the defending national champs. Who made that decision? Yeah, getting the 11 a.m. first pitch, that was pretty shocking. You would think that Vanderbilt's the biggest brand in college baseball. You've got East Carolina, who's a pretty big brand in their own right, um, with a lot more tradition than I think a lot of casual baseball fans know and understand. So I saw those, and first off, I thought, well, no chance I'm going to the Friday game, and it's going to be hard. (laughs) I'm going to be watching during work. My productivity is going to be going a little bit down during that four-hour stretch. Just bring your laptop to the Hawk. That's all you got to do. Yeah, and Peter in the second segment said, I hope nobody from uh, ESPN listens to, to the interview with, with something he <laughs> mentioned. And and I'm saying the same thing. I hope none of my uh, bosses at work uh, uh, listen to this one, but my, my hey. productivity on Friday might not be the best. Hey, Corb said, uh, you know, you people, you can send him oh, a yeah. note. Ask your boss. <laughs> um, say, hey, I'm going to get a note here from Corbs. That should be enough. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how what the crowds are like. I mean, because 11 a.m. on a Friday for Vanderbilt fans, you know, and we, we've seen them, uh, whether it's late arriving or, you know, not necessarily the uh, the most electric, but it's a super, I wouldn't expect, you know, anything anything less than, than you know, still a packed house because the Pirate fans are going to travel. Uh, they're, they're excited and, and they're, they're ready to come into Nashville and beat Vandy. So Vanderbilt, again, they're going to have to earn it. Um, and Will, I know you have some notes here. Pirates, they have the most NCAA tournament appearances without a trip to Omaha which is, we were talking before the show, it's kind of insane to think about. Um, and they're one in 10 all time in Supers. So good news for Vandy, really tough news for, for Pirates fans. So they're, I mean, you got it. I think, I think they're, uh, they're due. I, I would say they're, they're due for a, a win in a Super. Um, well, but they're a good hitting team. They, they really are playing in the American Athletic Conference, um, obviously with Memphis, teams like Memphis, Cincinnati, um, so a decent conference. But I think what it comes down to, Will, is they have not seen two guys like Rocker and Leiter. Um, and, you know, Georgia Tech Hatton, Indiana State Hatton, uh, obviously Presbyterian Hatton, and Vanderbilt showed that, that you know, those two guys won them that regional. Can they win a super? Obviously, yes, they can. But it's, it's going to come down to the bats of, of the Pirates versus the, the, the arms of Andy, uh, as we've seen many times this season. But if it gets to a game three, who knows? Then that, that's that's what it comes down to. If you get to a game three and a super, it's like, you know, everything goes out the window. So, well, obviously, Vanderbilt has to hit the ball. I don't think if they score two, even three runs, they're going to win. Uh, they're going to have to score a decent amount. Uh, but still, the bottom line is Rocker and Leiter are on Vanderbilt's winning the super, and, and there's not really any debating that. I mean, that's pretty much where they're at. Yeah, we pretty much know what we knew at the beginning of the year in that it's going to come down to rocker and lighter in a, in a best of three series. And, and we're here now. It's what we've talked about all year. Vanderbilt is yeah. built for three game series and built for this time of year. So now it's time to step on the foot and prove it, but you stole my stat scoop there about, uh, about the most appearances in the, in the college, college Go baseball ahead. playoff. I don't think, without I don't a... think uh, the, they were listening. So you can, you can repeat it. Yeah. If you want. Go on and repeat it again. You also mentioned they've had <laughs> six appearances in the super regionals, 31 appearances in the tournament overall. And they're one in ten in super regional games. So just mm. just to clarify, one in ten in games in the super regional, not in overall right. series. Right. So they've they've only had one victory at this stage, uh, which is actually pretty 
pretty mind-blowing to think it's about crazy. that many tournament appearances that many appearances and scraping by one yeah. game getting swept otherwise but I say uh, we had all that listed to say all that a lot of a lot of maybe casual Vanderbilt fans are just focused on the SEC probably hear East Carolina and think oh we lucked out this team is on a big stage they're they're making a good run this year this is a this is a very experienced squad this is a, a very of, experienced program tradition too yeah there's a lot of tradition this this isn't like football it's not like basketball it's, it's completely separated away yeah. Um, they're not going to be afraid of this big stage, and they're going to come in to come into Vanderbilt with two All Americans on their roster, yeah. and Connor Norby and their starting pitcher Gavin Williams. And and Gavin Williams, he he's ninth in the country, I believe, with a one point eight two ERA. Um, and he was named, I believe, their Golden Spikes Award um, there yeah. as well. So he's a dominant pitcher. They'll be seeing Game One that matchup between Rocker and who I'm assuming will, will roll up there as Williams. It's going to be awesome, and it's going to be at 11 a.m. on Friday. So that's even yeah. better. I, I absolutely love that they made that scheduling decision. We should have great, gotten on to great, Peter and segment two more about it. Great, great yeah. idea. <laughs> and Norby isn't isn't a slouch. He's, I believe, eighth in the nation in batting average. He bats over 400, four, around 420 there. So that's just um, he doesn't he doesn't strike out. Um, he, he's a hell of a hitter, and this team overall is a really good hitting team. If, if Vanderbilt can win game one against their dominant pitcher, um, there's not really a doubt in my mind that they'll win one for the last two. I, I agree. I was actually just about to say that because I, I think – I don't know what the stats are. We should have looked this up before, but the, the team who wins game one is, is almost always wins the Super. I think you're on it right now. But, um, you know, going a little bit deeper, I mean, this – this East Carolina team has won a lot of games this year and they've beaten some good teams. Um, so, you know, w when you look a, a little bit closer, they, they've been in the top 15, 20 all season long. Um, so they're, they're built for this. We talk about Vandy being built uh, for a super, a, a two out of three series with rocker and lighter tech is or tech. We're not playing George tech anymore. East Carolina is built for this because of their bats. You know, I mean, you, you got a guy right there. You just talked about Norby's hitting over 400. Um, so, Will, again, if, if, if Carolina, East Carolina gets game one, it's going to make it a lot tougher on Vandy. But if Vandy takes game one, that's going to make it, I think, nearly impossible uh, for, for the Pirates to take that. Did you get that stat um, on the Super or no? No? Okay. no I, I'm assuming it's a much higher percentage. Um, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say it, but, but I can't find the stat. College yeah, baseball just... stats, man. Uh, th there's the business idea for anybody out there better than better than I at data data collection and putting it out there for people to see. College baseball stats are brutal to find. You have D1 oh, baseball you can't, you and can't then even, you can't even find scores anywhere. Yeah, you're looking at literal PDF documents to to look up teams <laughs> and do research on teams as opposed to college football. You have entire you have videos of every every play that they've had linked to the website. So yeah, you somebody get on that better with uh, more time on their hands and or more skill. <laughs> you got a really scratch and claw for for college yeah. baseball. Really anything um, on college baseball, but um, yeah, I mean, well, it does come down to whoever wins that game one, um, and a lot of times in a regional. I mean, because it's boy, it's tough to crawl, crawl back in a regional. But I think bottom line, getting a, a little bit deeper into the matchup, Vanderbilt's bats, they need to wake up a little bit. Obviously, they played a lot better in that last game, game six against Georgia Tech. Uh, they woke up, but they gave up 11. So I think what they need to find, Will, is somewhat of an equilibrium um, and, and just finding that middle ground of, okay, Rocker's on right now, but we're also scoring six, seven runs in a game, and, and we're being dominant. We're being the the dominant team that a lot of that a lot of fans know this team can be 
Um, so if they can get to that equilibrium and, and show that they can, they can play like that in a super, that gives the team confidence and that gives a lot of other people maybe some fear around the country. If, if they got to play this Vandy team with Rocker and Lighter, uh, boy, I mean, I, I don't see really anyone beating them because there's no two better, there's no better duo in the country. Um, so, Will, it, it's going to come down to Arkansas. Arkansas is in their bracket in Omaha, but not looking um, past that. It's going to be it's going to be tough. I mean, this team, it seems like they've made a lot of these matchups tougher uh, than they should have. But bottom line is Rocker, if he can win game one, Vandal's going to be in a lot better spot than if they lose it. <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah, that's you, you talked about Arkansas being concerned. That's as long as uh, Kevin Kopp's arm doesn't fall off from how much they used him this weekend. Good. So I mean, that's, it's it's really insane. I mean, he, they pitched him in the third inning and he went all the way through and finished that one. After pitching it in previous games, so it, it's mind-boggling how much he pitched, and he's got to be extremely sore. And maybe maybe that has some fatigue carry over because he pitched more right. innings than he had in any other game this entire season. He was in uncharted waters, yeah. I believe, the last two innings there. But yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's all about coming out early. If if you make it to a game three in this series, I think game one is probably the biggest game. I mean, obviously of the year, but more than normal just because of who their best pitcher is and who else they're running out there. They can, they can, Vanderbilt can slip up and, and the bats cannot be on for one game against their second and third pitchers, but, but it's not going to happen both times against those guys. So that, that first pitcher and getting hits on early this team for, for lack of a better word is streaky. It's almost like seeing a basketball team that gets hot after a few guys hit shots and things start rolling. That's how this, this team is in baseball more so than a normal team. I mean, you'll see one guy lead off with a home run or get on with a walk. And then all of a sudden the energy's up and the bats are popping and making contact. And if that first guy doesn't get on or second guy doesn't get on, there's not a lot of, not a lot of rallies there. And and that's something to keep an eye on is making contact early and getting hot early. Well, let me ask you this. So obviously as a Vandy fan, you don't want to get to a game three, you know, you don't want to, it seems like you get to a game three as, as a Vandy fan and you're just kind of sitting on your at the edge of your seat the whole the whole time but this is a meta a hypothetical if Vanderbilt were to get to game three I think there could be some good to come out of it would you agree because one we get to see Riley and see how he does say he play he pitches well in a game three that gives you more confidence for him and in in the future that gives you more confidence in Omaha so do you see any benefits in in a game three because I see a little bit but you know again I don't has has Riley proven enough to you is is i guess what what i'm asking well it's a hell of a spin to put a game three is a good thing but let's hope we don't see one and have to discuss that anymore but no i don't i don't think it's a good thing i think the the biggest thing about this third pitching rotation it's not that riley is inexperienced it's not that we haven't seen him enough this year he's just up and down he's streaky he's hot and cold he'll come out one game and look dominant look like he could be a number one on most sec teams then he'll come out the next time and give up three four five runs in the first two innings so i want to see christian little if there is a game three Ah. and i say that definitively without a doubt if he comes out and gets rocked that's fine i think you put christian little out there on a very short lead because riley is Riley's already proven you already know what you have with Riley you know that there's a 50 50 shot basically that he's going to come out there and he's going to put you in a hole early Mm -hmm. or he's going to come out and look dominant you know that very quickly 
So I don't see why you don't put Little out there, who we've seen go deep and without spasms in his arm, may have gone even deeper into that game. Put him out there and say if he isn't throwing strikes early, he can get pulled in the first inning. And then you just bring Riley in, saying it's basically like a start if it does right. happen. Um, and then you take that shot anyway. Right. So, so I don't understand saying... why they don't do that. You know what you have in Riley. You know it's going to be questionable or vice versa. Riley needs a shorter leash in a right. game three. If right. he comes out and does what he does against Georgia Tech, he shouldn't pitch past the second batter. Right, so you're saying it's more of looking at Little and saying, hey, let's give this guy a shot. And if he shows it, now we know we have a game three guy in Omaha. You know, if he mm-hmm. if he, if exactly. he shows w- what he did against Ole Miss um, and plays like that again. I, I'm, then you I, know, then the game three is a good thing and you know something moving forward that definitively he is going to be your game three starter. So that's right. that's the side you could say. You know Riley isn't exactly getting the job done, and Little has potential too, so you might as well find out on a big stage early if he is the guy that can step into that third spot. Right, but uh, let's let's not uh, get too deep because let's just expect a, a two-game uh, sweep yep, here exactly. and, and just not get have to talk about that at all because that's going to be uh, – that, that will be uh, quite the game three if, if we get to that because this team has shown that. But, Will, coming up, obviously uh, – Will Crick, though, how about Isaiah Thomas? I mean, that was... Yeah, we didn't even say his name outside of, <laughs> I think we mentioned the Grand Slam once. It was kind of a big deal. I think yeah, it was I a, mean, you know, wa- I wish it was a walk-off. I don't know why. I guess it's a coin flip. You know, that's why we weren't the home team. I was but, wondering that as well. Is it a coin flip? Because it I, made I, no sense. Vanderbilt was winner's bracket and at home and higher seed. It's a it's a coin flip. They've done it. They've done that for a while, for a while like okay. that in regional play. I think they even do it in the SEC tournament. Uh, but shame on that because that would have been, uh, I think it would have been a little bit better if it was a walk off. The crowd was yeah. pretty bleak at that point anyway. Um, <laughs> and the call was interesting because it was a little bit delayed. Um, and it, it sounded like it was just kind of a walk in the park for the announcer, but it was well, because uh, they're watching what we were watching. They, they didn't know if it was going fair or foul until they saw <laughs> the umpire They're They're watching basically a similar broadcast in that left corner. I mean, there's no camera angle that can show and the foul poles about, you know, four feet right, tall on top of that green let's, monster. Let's be real. I mean, that ball's in the high in the air down the line. I mean, let's at least build up to a little bit of something. Just dead silence. <laughs> it was like, oh, if you were if you were blind, I don't, I don't I don't think you would know what's happening. It's hit by Isaiah Thomas. Oh, and oh my, it's, it's a grand slam. Oh yeah, that's about what it sounded like there. Not not very high energy on their end, but it was 1:30 a.m. So I'll give it to him around yeah, 1 a.m. I think he needed a, one more cup of coffee there. Maybe he would have been a little bit better. But again, Isaiah Thomas just—I think he showed that he. This is a guy that will step up in the clutch and 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 be a guy, be that John Norwood or or you know be that Austin Martin type of guy where. And, you know, you've seen players do that on, on Vanderbilt's team in the past years, that guys that just step up. And credit to him. It was he had a hell of a bat toss, too. Um, and yeah, his, don't, it don't was even, a good bat toss. It, it was a started, nice don't, We had so many Tennessee fans in our mentions and a lot of Vandy on their Twitter page mentions. Oh, I thought you weren't allowed to celebrate a, 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 home, a big-time home run or grand slam. It was like, don't even get me started. Drew Gilbert for Tennessee walked. I think that took him an hour to get to home plate that's literally that that's like hey, yeah theirs was a little different i want to go before you I go mean, on your tangent they that, beat wright state in the opening game of their regional one verse four vanderbilt punched their ticket 
to the super regionals. That's a very, very different context of, yeah. of what we are celebrating, very different things. So it's, it's that was such a dumb, dumb argument from the beginning that I was yeah. seeing in, the, in our mentions. I, I mean, I would hope you would show some emotion. You just won your regional. You're going to the supers now, and that wasn't anything uh, nearly compared to what Drew Gilbert did. So, um, again, I like the fact that there's emotion, a lot more emotion now in college baseball. I think a lot of people like that. Um, and Peter Burns actually touched on it. SEC baseball is entertaining, and it's what people are watching right now. Um, I wish we need to get Ben Mintz on just to grow the game a little bit more. But, well, if you're an SEC fan, this is, this is what, what you look for, SEC baseball here in the postseason. And Peter Burns provided a lot of entertainment. So, um, obviously, it was great to talk to him and, and, and listen to his, his insight because he's been at a lot, inside a lot of these atmospheres and, and witnessed a lot of great moments. Uh, and he'll be in Omaha, and he he was quite the interview. I'll, I'll say that well. Yeah, it was a great interview. Great, great interview. His his energy about college baseball it, it got me. I think me and you are going to be taking a trip over to Omaha, possibly. Um, it, he's a, he's a hell of a salesman, man. I mean, he he yeah. had the energy built up there, and and I am looking forward even more so after this interview to the super regionals and subsequently, hopefully, Vanderbilt making it to Omaha. Yeah, we, uh, we will keep our fingers crossed. Vanderbilt, East Carolina coming up this weekend. You got Friday, noon Eastern time, Saturday, noon Eastern time, and then Sunday, 3 Eastern time, a little bit later if we, if we do get to a game three. Hopefully not. Uh, but that does it here for segment one. Coming up is Peter Burns from the SEC Network here on The Door Report, powered by Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Before we get to the interview with Peter Burns from the SEC Network, it's time now to send it over to Gary Scales for a few words on our presenting sponsor, Alaco Fine Wood Floors. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flooring job to Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day. Get your flooring job started today by calling 615-356-0303. Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Craftsmanship you can stand on. Welcome back into the door report alongside Will Byram. I'm Billy Derrick, and it's now time to welcome in a special guest here for today's episode. His name is Peter Burns. You have definitely seen him on the SEC network plenty of times, especially those late night episodes before you hit the hay. ESPN SEC network studio anchor uh, calls himself a Cajun Texan uh, ESPN radio host of the best week ever. Also a serious XM host, SEC This Morning. So you can hear early mornings and also uh, late at night. So got quite the busy schedule uh, on his plate. Peter, thanks for taking the time. I know you're tired, but hey, we, we all are <laughs> this time of year, aren't we? Man, sleep is the cousin of death, right? I mean, <laughs> you know, especially this time of year. I mean, I, I you know, I love doing that, that serious XM show in the morning because it gives us an opportunity, me and Chris Doring, the Florida Gator grade, to talk about it. And, you know, the last two nights I'm loopy because we get done at like 2 a.m. because it's always crazy when it comes regional and super regional time. And then me being a kid from Baton Rouge, like to see LSU go up in there and, and go duck hunting up in Oregon and just <laughs> from Canary get an opportunity. And now the chaos of Tennessee, LSU next weekend. Like, again, I, like I'll sleep during the off season. Like we got plenty of time. Like, right. I, like it's so funny because at the network everybody thinks oh it's all college football it's all everybody cares about I'm like dude the spring nope. is the best time of year like to me like that's when you know baseball softball golf like I think that's when we kind of do I'd like to think some of our best work over there 
Yeah, no doubt about it. And you can sleep in July, right? That's what they say about, about March Madness. But I do want to touch on, I mean, obviously we're going to be diving full full uh, in head first at SEC baseball. But what do you think makes the sport so entertaining? I think this year in particular, Will and I have been talking that it seems like they've kind of waken up. This year has been kind of the the uh, the awakening party for SEC baseball. A lot of people around the country are, are, are really recognizing it. So what is it? What is it about SEC baseball here in the South that that you think makes it so entertaining? Yeah, Billy, I think it's a couple things, right? And it's like a perfect storm. Let's start with, you know, the pandemic of last year to where there was only five rounds of Major League Baseball draft. So, I mean, well, you know, like there was so much talent that stayed that could have gone and they decided not to or get an extra year of eligibility. So, A, the baseball is good. Um, B, I also think it's – I think everybody – is so ready to explode and have a good time after being just kind of pent up over this last year. I think that's why, you know, you saw over in Nashville, the fans were fantastic. I mean, Knoxville, they were crazy. Fayetteville was just, I mean, it was goosebumps watching it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that has an aspect of it as well too. And I think year in and year out, like you just see the cream of the crop every single year tends to go to the sec as far as, you know, quality teams. I mean, the fact that we've got six teams out of 16 in the Ooh. Super Regionals, that, that, that's just a credit. And Florida Gators probably should have been there um, had they not laid an egg earlier this year. So um, that, that's a damn strong statement by, made by the SEC. Yeah, you talked about uh, the SEC bringing in uh, six of the 16 Super Regional teams. And those teams, Arkansas, LSU, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Tennessee, and Vanderbilt coming in there. Some more dominant uh, than others in their regional. Who would you, based on their performance in the region, be buying stock in and who would you be selling stock in? And you have to be unbiased with LSU in there. (laughs) Uh, Listen, LSU, I'll start with that, right, and get the bias out of the way. House money at this point, right? Like, let's take the network um, in in my jobs equation and just say I'm a diehard LSU fan that grew up watching Todd Walker and Ben McDonald play, right? And – I'm already good. Like the fact that Maneri didn't go home, that they got into postseason play and they made it to a super, I'm good at that aspect of it. So, um, I, you know, you go back and look at what Tennessee did, starting with the, the, the Gilbert walk-off. There's just something rolling about that team. They got a chip on their shoulder right now, and I like it. And I, I'm not going to lie, man. I was, I was shocked that, you know, Arkansas almost went home. Like that would have been an yeah. absolute kick in the teeth, right? They win 10 series. They've just found a way to win every single game, it felt like. And going into the fifth inning, I'm like, dude, this could happen. And of all things, I never want to lose to a Big Ten team, right? That just no. feel like Nebraska and baseball, really? Um, <laughs> and, and so for I, what I love the move there real quick about Arkansas is the fact that when, when they brought – Dave Van Horn brought Kevin Copps in, it – he did it in the first game of the series too. It like calms everybody down. Like, all right, we're good for three or four innings. Let's relax and let's get the bats going. And I think that was a brilliant move. So um, the only one, again, I think I might be a little bit concerned on maybe is Ole Miss. Um, they did a fantastic job, but I just don't know the arms, right? Like it, had they still had Gunnar Hoagland, I still think that that team is an Omaha squad, but you got to be deep when it comes to it. And the pitching is going to be so good. And TD Ameritrade Park, if they even got there, is such a big ballpark mm-hmm. that you, you got to be able you got to be able to pitch. And I'm just not quite sure if those bats will continue to stay hot that entire time. 
Yeah, you mentioned Arkan, uh, Ole Miss with their pitching. I think that's part of the problem with Vanderbilt. I mean, you look at Rocker and Leiter, yes, they're two of the best in the country, but after those two guys, Vanderbilt ha- has shown that, that they are a beatable team. And even with Rocker and Leiter, you know, they've shown that. But um, in, in terms of Vanderbilt, how much of that regional and national were you able to watch? And, and uh, I guess you did stay up all night uh, for the Georgia Tech game. Did you have to? Um, and did you did you enjoy that, or were you uh, were you just were you just falling asleep? I, I, Billy, I kind of enjoyed it. I enjoyed <laughs> it for the fact that Vandy moved on. And what I did not enjoy is that it's already like two thirty in the morning. It felt like it was super late. And then I'm like, oh, we're going into extra innings. I was like, this is just crazy. And even after the grand slam, I'm like, dude, done. That's it. Like it's <laughs> over. And I swear Corbs used like 19 pitchers in the last inning. There was an injury. I'm like, it was an hour and a half of just kind of waiting to figure out what was going on. So, um, but honestly, it could maybe work out, right? I mean, Georgia Tech was a pretty decent squad. We saw that earlier this year. And I think it it goes to show you, you're going to have to claw your way and win any type of way. And it's not just, hey, you can win low scoring games with Rocker and Lighter. Can you get into an absolute battle? And, and can you get into, hey, listen, we're just going to – it feels like the old BB core bats and just, you know, <laughs> and, and score 14 runs. Yeah. And honestly, I, I think that's good when you can win multiple ways, and Vandy's done it all season long. Yeah, and Corpus talked about it after the game. This this definitely learned a lot, and uh, you know it was obviously the Kentucky series late in the late in the regular season. They ended up losing a game like that, but f- so for them to win that type of game, like you mentioned, there obviously they they needed to have that. But going back to Rocker and Lighter, kind of a two part question: Do you think those two guys are are the best pair in college baseball history? Maybe to go a little bit smaller, at least in the SEC history. And then you know how excited are you to watch them? Because you know who knows that they might not have even played their best baseball yet. Yeah, and I mean, Leiter is still, I mean, you think about how young he is. We've seen Rocker for a little bit. I mean, it's it reminds me of like Will Clark and Rafael Palmero, where like, all right, this is a dynamic duo that you mm-hmm. have. And you've had Austin Kendall. Yeah, you've had good players before, but I've never felt like, hey, Friday and Saturday, I don't know if you got a flipping chance if these guys are on. And that that's huge because, you know, especially coming into a, a super regional against a talented East Carolina squad that has some talent as well, like you got to be able to shut it down and, and to know that you can go with those two and then you can bring in Christian if he's healthy and, and the arm's good enough to go, you got a fighting chance. So I, I go back and look and I remember like Jared Poche and Alex Lang back in like yeah. 2017 for LSU. That was a really one, good one-two punch. But the difference was they were never that dynamic. Like Lang was pretty dynamic and Poche was okay, but they let the bats ring out. This Vandy team just seems to me like, you know, they, they, I, I would not be surprised of them, you know, not allowing more than 10 runs of this entire Super Regional coming up. Yeah. Yeah, speaking of that, the the obviously starters one and two for Vanderbilt are dominant. I mean, you could talk about them with Garrett Cole, Trevor Bauer up there in UCLA back in the day in 2011, I think, was when they went to the draft. But that's pretty much the only comparable pairing you have in, in recent history. Do you, are you, does it give you concern that the third starter has struggled so mightily? And do you think that could be Vanderbilt's Achilles heel that comes back to bite him in these three-game series? You know, Will, I mean, Corbs would tell you that it is, right? But I think he used that as a motivational tool that someone's going to step the hell up. And you, and and that's what I kind of like, whether it was like, I can't remember the kid, I think it was Tyler Murray over at Ole Miss, and we saw uh, Lyle Lockhart throw really well for Arkansas in the SEC tournament, like, 
and we saw a freshman at LSU a couple nights ago pitch extremely well against mm-hmm. Oregon in, in the game. Someone has to step up, right? And it's not as if Vanderbilt's going into a super regional against e, you know East Carolina where they've got you know it's like they're not like the Braves with Smoltz and Glavin and and all these great you know uh, Maddox and all these great um, pitchers. They don't have as much talent. So I mean I, I don't I don't know as much as it is a concern. I guarantee you. East Carolina and Chris Godwin right now are looking at your lineup and looking at pitching going, how in the hell are we going to beat these guys? Like, I don't think they're scared of Vanderbilt. Like, I think that's how good East Carolina has been this year. But um, trust me, I, the, the worries are more on the Pirates side than they are on the defending national champs. Especially uh, at the Hawk, you know, at home at, where Vanderbilt's so comfortable. And, and you know, like you talked about, uh, ECU has not seen uh, two pitchers like that in, in you know, in, in maybe his Godwin's coaching career. Uh, but I do want to kind of dive deeper into the SEC. Obviously, there are, I mean, you could see four, maybe five SEC teams in Omaha, which is insane to think about. How, mu- how many teams realistic- realistically have a chance? Now, Tennessee, LSU, somebody's going to have to go home there. Uh, but <laughs> but um, I, know, I, I, know, I know what you're going to say there. But for, for to- in total, how many teams realistically do you think can make Omaha? I, I think three is the target, right? Like I, I think Ole Miss will struggle a little bit coming up in, into their regional because of the arms that I talked about. Um, I like, I love, I think Tennessee is in, you know, we, we knew obviously between Tennessee and, and LSU. So I think Tennessee is in. I, I, I worry a little bit about Mississippi State. This Notre Dame team scored like 50 some odd runs in, in their mm-hmm. own regional. So they, they can bat. And we saw what happened with State over at the SEC tournament, right? Like McLeod and those guys got run ruled and Bednar like that. It was brutal for them. So um, luckily that is at, at, at Duty Noble. Um, so I think they got a shot. I think that's a coin flip. Ole Miss is a coin flip. I still think that this is the shoe in are your, your boys, the doors. I think Arkansas, I think they set up extremely well um, against North Carolina State. And in uh, Tennessee, so I, I think those are the three I feel the most confident about. Anything else, I think, is would ultimately be gravy. So you don't think Maneri has any more sleeves up his up his uh, any more tricks up his sleeve there in Knoxville? Sleeves you know, poor Maneri's <laughs> like, dude, I just want to freaking retire. Like, like, what if Maneri's just like, I'm just like, I've got vacation planned. I don't need to go to Omaha. I'm, I'm joking, of course, because Paul definitely wants to do it, and he deserves it, right? Hall of Fame coach. Oh yeah. Um, I, I just think that there's something special about this Tennessee team, man. They've had, they, you know, they've what come from behind in 27 of their victories. Now it's crazy. Like seven walk-offs, like they're just, they play full of piss and vinegar. Like, and I think that's why, I think that's why honestly, Tony Vitello is a perfect guy for that job. Right. Like I don't see him fitting anywhere else. And mm. I would love to have this in-state rivalry between Vandy and Tennessee and it gets chippy and, we have some fun um, because that's kind of what SEC is all about in college sports, right? Is, is rivalries. And for the longest time, y'all just spanked the balls, you know, up and down the field. So it'll be nice to actually have, um, you know, something to kind of look forward to. And that's, that's brewing right now. Yeah. Oh, no doubt about it. And uh, for Tennessee and Vandy, they're on either opposite sides of the bracket. They could potentially meet if Vanderbilt were to beat Arkansas. How about a Vandy Tennessee national championship? I know SEC network would, would love that. Uh, I'll be all in on it. Uh, it would be <laughs> fantastic. And you know who else would be all in on that? Tony Vitello's agent. His agent oh, would yeah. extremely love that. Um, so he's going to get play, paid. And 
And again, I, I you know, I know Texas A&M's job's open. I know there's a lot of rumors going around LSU and who's going to replace Paul Maneri, but to me, I, I hope Vitello, and I think Danny White, the AD, is is going to go to them with hat in hand with a pretty good offer and and an opportunity to upgrade their facilities, which I, I think is is hugely important uh, going forward. Yeah, real, one more real quick here, Peter. What are what are some of the plans? Are you guys are you going to be going to Omaha? Obviously, there's going to be so many teams there. What what are, what kind of coverage uh, can fans be looking for there uh, from the SEC Network in Omaha? Uh, it's, it's a blast, man. It's one of my favorite events all season long. And so, uh, we will be there from day one, you know, Saturday, we do a 30 minute recap show every single night on SEC network. And I tell you that because I'm going to pretend to say I work hard that week. It's the greatest gig in, at ESPN. Oh my because, like we can't go on television because of the contra- contractual rights until the final pitch is done until the last out. So we do a show in, inside the stadium in left field. We, it's only a 30-minute show, so it's not like a two-hour show. Then the bars may or may not be open right after the, the, our show is open for a good two hours. And then we don't have to be to the ball, uh, at the ballpark until like 7 o'clock the next day. So oh, I, mean, don't, I hope my bosses don't listen to this because every time <laughs> I'm like, dude, I'm exhausted. You know, Omaha is so much work. <laughs> It's it's great, and uh, Will or Billy, have you, Will, have you ever been to Omaha? I no. would absolutely love to go. No, I'm we not. are we are trying to find a way to get there, uh, <laughs> considering you know Vanderbilt has a good shot. <laughs> I mean, bus ride, fly, drive it, carrier pigeon, whatever you need to do. Yeah, and trains and automobiles. Seriously, yeah. man, because uh, outfield not- tickets are, are not bad at all. Well, yeah, I mean, and it's just. It's just one of those things. It's a bucket list deal. And growing up a college baseball fan, I, I didn't get a chance to go to Rosenblatt, which devastates me because mm. that was such great, you know, so many, you know, so many memories. But um, you, you got to do it, especially when your team is in. It's just unlike, unlike anything. And so I guarantee you, if you boys go up there and, and doors are up there, I'm buying you beers and oh, after man. that, we have a recap podcast. And if you <laughs> tell me that it was not worth the trip, even if somehow they make it and go, oh, with two and barbecue, um, I, I will, I will, um, I will be shocked. No one's ever gone to Omaha and not had a good time. Well, I mean, we have to go now. He sold me. He sold me. You, if it doesn't work out at SEC Network, you can become a ticket salesman uh, for <laughs> Omaha and the College I, World Series. Ice to uh, Eskimos, baby. I can. I, we can get it done. It'll be like I mean, the even, if, even if Vandy doesn't make it, we're going. <laughs> like, I, I, I'm being dead serious. Like, so I was always shocked when I went up there. The first couple of years, LSU was not in there, right? I went in like 2015, 2016. In 2017, they finally made it. But I was shocked about in 2015, 2016 the amount of LSU fans that make their schedule every year to go to Omaha. Cause you know, when the Tigers were good, they would go and then they loved it so much. And then the town of Omaha, if they don't have a dog in the fight, like if Nebraska who just got eliminated by Arkansas, if they're not in, they're like, they're diehard sec fans, but mostly LSU fans. So it's um, again, even if your team's not up there, it's something you got to experience. And um, it's, it, I'm just glad that we're doing it this year. Cause we didn't get a chance to do it last year. No doubt. Hey, we'll, we will be up there. Uh, we're going to find a way up there and we're going to be waiting on you after that post game. So, um, and we will be waiting on the beer too. So, uh, yeah. or maybe hard liquor. I don't know. There's so many opportunities hey, in Omaha. So we're going to so have some fun either way. Love it. Peter, Love thanks it. again, my man. Uh, we will definitely, uh, catch you up, uh, catch you up down the road in Omaha. And, uh, thanks again for taking the time. Well, Billy, make it happen boys. All right.
Thanks, Peter. We will. We will definitely make it happen. Absolutely. Well, that does it for episode 89 of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors. Huge thanks to today's special guest, Peter Burns from the SEC Network. For myself, Billy Derrick, co-host Will Byram, and of course, Peter Burns, you've been listening to episode 89 of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors.